Good morning. We're on our third talk of this current series. And in a moment, because I have brought a 50 pence piece and it's gone in the meter. Oh, okay. So is everyone having a good week? Because the week only started today, isn't it? It's because Jesus did something amazing a few years ago. And so that's why we start the week on a Sunday, because Jesus did something amazing. We're still having technical issues, so let me just not sort of go off at a tangent. Let's stick to the points, although you know me, I will go off at a tangent later. But just reel me back in, because that'll that'll all be okay. We're on our third uh, talk of a series about the story of Nehemiah. And he's uh, a chap in the Old Testament, you'll probably know. In our first talk, we covered about a thousand years of history. And... It was, well, I thought it was quite good, but then I was the one talking about it, weren't it? Because it gave us the context of what was happening in the background to the book of Nehemiah and and what they were doing in exile, why we were there, and what happened for a thousand years or so before that. So in that first talk, in the sort of thousand years of history we were looking at, we thought that sometimes God and his people we're having a wonderful time together. I bet if you've read the Old Testament a few times, or many times maybe, and especially if you're on the SBS, you will know that there's several occasions when God and his people were wonderful together. Now, I wonder if it's going to work now. I won't press it again, because I've done that before. You press it once, and it doesn't work. So you press it again, and then it goes up twice. Shall I? Shall I just... Nope. Do I just uh, press the next... Oh, there we go. Oh, lovely, lovely. That's what I want. So here's the first slide of what we're thinking about with God and his people having a lovely time together. All is well, and it's brilliant. But you can see the trouble brewing, can't you? Because I didn't just put God's people love him, serve him, and worship him. I put an arrow. Something is coming next. We know that. What's coming next? God's people love themselves. Let's be as blunt as that. And it leads to idolatry. The thing about that is, if we're following God wholeheartedly and loving him, then we know that when trouble comes, and it's bound to sooner or later, because our relationship with God is good, whatever we go through, we'll be all right, it'll be okay. It's still trouble, it's still hard, but our love of God and being close to God is going to help us in life. God intervenes many times in the Old Testament, and this is all the sort of stuff we were saying two weeks ago. It's often the case that when God intervenes, then God's people come back to him and say, oh, Lord, we love you, thank you so much for sort of being our God and delivering us from that trouble. And this cycle goes on and on and on again, many times in the Old Testament. People turn away from God, he intervenes, they start following him for a while, and then they turn away, want to worship themselves or other people, and don't give God the due he is deserving. Probably the way the human race has been over the last millennia hasn't changed much. I think just nowadays we're more subtle about not worshipping God and worshipping other things and other people. 
it's more obvious people perhaps on pallet drive or wherever you've driven through this week and today you'll see people polishing their car or whatever you know all these things in place of God we're more subtle because perhaps we're more advanced and we think it's okay to be subtle about idolatry I've found that it's fun to learn a new skill yeah plenty of nodding that's great and a few weeks ago I started learning a new skill I haven't even told Jill about it who's my wife and so I've been trying this because it looks really impressive when I see people doing this on television and it's also impressive when you're in London and I know some people go to London a lot I go to Covent Garden and I see them doing this particular skill any ideas what it might be juggling for the last few weeks I've been learning to juggle now this wasn't prepared because I tell Fiona nothing or Jill or anything so I've been learning to juggle so here we go I even put it in big letters so you really know it's true so I aim to keep on practicing because at the moment I'm a beginner at juggling okay so I'm a beginner but I'm definitely learning about what to do with juggling and so far I've learnt two routines Okay, I, should, I shouldn't say I'm proud of myself, but I'm quite happy about what I've done. So, do you want to see my two routines? Oh, that was unanimous, I thought. Right, okay. Remember, just before I get my equipment out, uh, I'm a beginner. I'm a beginner. Okay, so if you think it's not very good, don't be harsh. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Here's trick number one, then. Okay, I've just got to get myself in the right frame of mind to do it. I'm still concentrating. Oh, I'm going a bit higher. I'm getting confident. What do you think about that, then? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, shall I show you... I'm not going to look at some people. They're giving me a, a nasty a, a frame of face. Okay, are you ready for number two? This is harder. Okay. Okay, I'm not going to look. Okay, I did look, but it was just... <laughs> okay, how did I do? Thank you very much. I am a beginner at juggling. Did you notice? Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm a beginner at juggling. But the thing about juggling is, it's all about throwing and catching. That was precisely what I was doing. I looked at definitions on the internet just to make sure that what I was doing wasn't juggling, wasn't not juggling. But it, yeah, this is juggling. I am a beginner. But the thing is, if I'm going to practice, I need help from other people. I'm in the early stages of learning how to juggle. The important thing is, if I try and just do it on my own, I'm not going to get very far, am I? I'm going to be doing this and confident about that, but I won't be able to go the next step because I think there is a next step after that. That isn't just what it is. I still, still need help from other people. We're thinking about Nehemiah building the wall 
when I've read Nehemiah, and maybe you've been reading it recently too, Nehemiah doesn't do it all by himself. He needed help from other people because it was an enormous task to rebuild the wall. He needed a large team. He needed lots of others, just like me and my juggling. I can't do it by myself. I need help from other people to be better at that. We're building walls in the Neaton. And we're at the early stage, and we still need definite help from other people to help us with our wall building. Do you know, we've all got natural talents and abilities. We're all good, at least, at several things. Here's a couple of things I'm not so good at. If you were going to ask me to hammer a nail into a piece of wood, I could do it at an angle really well. But to do it straight, I personally find that a challenge. I wouldn't be able to do that. If you're going to ask me, and I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again, if you're going to ask me to do a three-course meal for 30 people, I might, through the skin of my teeth, just about do it. But at the end, you wouldn't be congratulating me and saying, oh, thank you, when are you going to do that again? It would just be like, oh, who else should we ask to do this next time? Because I can do some things and do some things well. But some things I'm a beginner at, and I need help from other people. Some things I, I've worked hard at over years, and I'm proficient, and I'm all right at it. But some things I need plenty of help from other people. If I'm the only person that's working for God in Nuneaton, and I know I'm not, the kingdom of God isn't going to go very far. It's not going to extend very quickly. The kingdom of God, at its best, means that everybody is needed, with God doing the leading. There's obviously a place for us all to do things as individuals, and we can accomplish a lot when we work as individuals. But to work together where everyone is needed and everyone is honoured means a lot, because we can share the load together and we can share the eventual reward as well. You're probably going to forget quite a lot of what I might say today. But the important thing is, everyone is needed. So if you're going to remember anything about what we've said today, what we've thought about, everyone is needed. Just at the top, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11, that's what Diane read earlier. And then this chunk is the bit that's being thought about in Nehemiah, because sometimes the reading we'll have on a uh, Sunday morning will be the chunk that we're thinking about. And then sometimes it'll be just something else to give us a bit of breadth about what we're thinking about. All of the uh, chunks that we're looking at in Nehemiah are on our website or in the newsletter. So you can always, anytime, just read what's coming up uh, on a few days before the Sunday, because then that way you'll know what we're talking about, even though the reading may not be anything about that in particular. Everyone is needed. We need each other here. And when you come, that's brilliant because you're part of the family that's here. We can still learn from each other 
different things as we continue on the present mission of God. Because some of the things that you think are so easy, other people like me might just think, how on earth did they do that? And some of the things that you find difficult, you can ask someone about and say, can you show me how to do that? It's like having a big brother or a big sister around, isn't it? And even on some television programs like Bake Off and The Sewing Bee, sometimes, even though they're competitors, they'll help each other just because they're falling behind in what's going on. I've got a question. We know all the answer. So I'll put the, the question in here as well. In Nehemiah's time, was everyone a super-duper builder with years of experience to enable them to overcome any obstacles or setbacks? No, let's all shake our heads if you want to join in. It's no, not everybody was a super-duper builder because if you read the section that we're thinking about today, Nehemiah 2, verse 9 to 332, you'll find out that other people, uh, some people there, weren't builders. There were other things, and we'll look at that in a few minutes. What Diane read, though, was really important because it shows us the gifts that we can expect as a church in the 21st century. Some of the things you might know a lot about and be experienced in, but some of them you might just think, I've heard of that before, but I don't really know what it means. In a year's time, we're going to be talking about that part of Scripture a lot. But in the meantime, over the next few weeks and months, you're going to see from the Bible and the way we talk about things that it's so good to come together and share and learn from each other and to know that we're all learning. None of us have made it. Last week, we considered how Nehemiah was in exile in Susa, which is now in Iran, at the top of the Persian Gulf. Some of the people of Judah had already gone back to Jerusalem, and it was a long journey to make, about a 1,000 miles or so, and that would have taken quite a long time to get there. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. It was a Persian king, Arcturxes. And so because he was a cupbearer, that meant he sorted out the wine and made sure it wasn't poisoned and it was all good quality stuff. He had a, a really important job. But when Nehemiah heard about what was going on, or indeed what wasn't going on in Jerusalem, he prayed. And in chapter 1, you read that it wasn't just a quick arrow prayer to God, saying, oh Lord, will you do this? And then he went back over his own affairs. He was praying for four months intently and saying, Lord, I really need your help. It was consistent and it was heartfelt. It might have seemed hopeless, the situation that the people of Judah were facing at the time, but God gave Nehemiah hope to wait and to keep on waiting until the right time came for him to tell the Persian king about what was happening back home. Nehemiah had an excellent perspective about what was going on in Jerusalem. He spent time listening to God, being with God. And so when he thought about the problems and the situations and the circumstances that he was facing and his family and his people were facing, he knew that God was almighty. God was more than equal to the task of doing things back in Jerusalem, even though he was a thousand miles away or so. God was far bigger 
than the issues and the circumstances of what he was going through and his friends were going through. So in the section for today, if you've read about it at home, you'll have read that Nehemiah travels to Jerusalem and he gets the king's permission and the king's help to do all that. And he goes and sees what the current state of the walls are like. And he does that at night time. It doesn't look good. But Nehemiah announces that the walls are going to be rebuilt. Remember, he prayed for months, four months about that. And then he traveled maybe many weeks with his latest model of camel from Susa to Jerusalem. And it meant that all this time he was still hoping in God, knowing that what God had said could happen. And he felt strong about it. He gave a rallying call to those that were around him because some, God had put something in his heart and Nehemiah had nurtured that something and he'd let God's power grow in his life knowing that God was more than capable, like we've said, because he is almighty and there's nothing that God cannot do. Nehemiah was an excellent leader and communicator because he coordinates the people into action and he gets them to cooperate with each other. That's not an easy job always, is it, to do that? And yet his call to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem provoked both positive and negative reactions. Straight away, there was oppo opposition from certain people. They jeered him, oh, do you think you can really do that? Let's deliberately discourage Nehemiah, they might have said, and see if that puts him off. Do you ever hear vocal sabotage when you're setting out doing something for God? People trying to dissuade you from doing something that you've considered long and hard, thinking, yeah, God is calling me to do that. Perhaps sometimes subconsciously, you might commit, if you like that word, vocal sabotage. Don't. We're here to look after each other, to encourage each other. And sometimes we need to be realistic and say, have you really thought it through? But also we do need to be saying, you've thought about this. Let me stand with you. Let me encourage you. Let me do something to help you. So we don't need with our words to bring people down when they're seeking God and wondering what to do. We can encourage them, be realistic, but definitely encourage them and help them. Because we all need to stand tall with what God is asking us to do. And if we're standing tall with other people around us, that's a brilliant thing. Like I say, we're a family here. We're a fellowship, meaning we're looking after each other and you, listening to God to pray for each other and encourage each other. Like we say, we can ask God for his help every day. But the thing is, some people might sort of say, oh, we just need a bit of common sense. That's all that people need. But I want to call it divine sense because sometimes what we hear from God isn't common at all. It's straight from the throne of heaven saying, go about it this way. And maybe if we're going to ask each other what we've done in the last few weeks, some of us might say, not obviously, oh, I heard God and he said this, but you had this inkling, this thought in your mind, 
probably from God saying, go this way, do that way. Go down that aisle at, in a supermarket and you'll see someone. And lo and behold, it's happened to me, probably to you as well, you see someone and you have a chat and maybe you pray for them in Sainsbury's or something and you just sort of say, oh, thank you, Lord. You caused me to go to the right place at the right time and just change a situation for someone. There's a lot of names in chapter three. But the names are there to honour their contribution. And we didn't get Diane to read all through these names. When you read through them at home, chapter three, there's dozens of them. All these kind of nice Israeli, easy to pronounce names. And so they're people though, they're not just names, people who contributed to what God was asking to be done. And so God is honouring them because their names are there. Everyone who took part was needed and everyone was important. And it's just like today. We're needed, we're important and we can be fruitful for God in the position we're in today. Shall we just look at a few quick verses in chapter 3? Verse 8, there were some goldsmiths, the Bible says. And of course, goldsmiths are used to using their hands. So maybe at a push, they might have been able to use a, a trowel or whatever they used to use with a bit of uh, mortar or whatever they used and put the stones in. And they were used to using their hands. But also in that verse, verse 8, it says there was a perfumer. I thought about that word, and so my Hebrew isn't very good, so I had to look it up. And it's the Hebrew word, rakar. And it means, and it's only used once in the Old Testament, and this is the place, of course, and it means ointment maker. And so I get the idea he was a bit like a, an apothecary, or as we might sort of say in the 21st century, this person, an ointment maker, he was a pharmacist. And so if you've been to the doctors and then go afterwards to the pharmacy, this is what this person was like. He was good at making ointments to relieve skin uh, um, hardness or softness. You, you can tell I'm not medical. Uh, but it's sort of things that are wrong, dry skin and all this. He'd have been really good at doing that. Do you think he was really good at making walls? Do you think he was skilled? Do you think he'd had years of experience? I don't think so. And yet his name is there. His name, what was it? I'll put it down somewhere. Anyway, you can read it in the Bible. Verse 8, Nehemiah chapter 3. Because he was named. He was honoured by God. He might have been a beginner at doing building work, but he was really good at being, making ointments. But he was honoured by God. His name was there. And so I bet people by him we're helping him, we're encouraging him to do the right things, just like we help each other sometimes as well. So as people were making the wall, some people were really good at it, but other people would have been glad of a helping hand by people who were really good at making walls. And together, they were the team. Everyone was needed, everyone was important, everyone could be fruitful, just like today. Just like today, though, there's something else that goes on the slide. Opposition is likely to occur. And that's just the same as today. 
We all need encouragement and love and kindness from each other, just wherever we are in life. Because that's just the way God made it. God planned it that way. Nehemiah had shed loads of opposition. And you might get just a little bit, but having a friend ring up or text you just to make sure everything is going all right really helps. It is encouragement. There's another uh, interesting verse in chapter 3, and that's in verse 12. It says, he and his daughters. Everyone is needed. Everyone is important. Everyone can be fruitful. Remember, in that time, daughters, ladies, girls, they stayed at home. They did things that uh, were just like just doing things around home, getting the meals, getting the water, looking after the children. But he and his daughters looked after the wall and built the wall because everyone was needed, everyone was important, and everyone could be fruitful. Can I give you some encouragement now? Whatever situation you've been in in the past and you think, that's going to stop me from working for God. It's not true. Everyone is needed. Everyone is important. Everyone can be fruitful. That's true. And in your life, you can be fruitful for God whatever situation you find yourself in now. There was another person who lived opposite where he made the wall. And I'm sure that happened a lot as well, but it specifies this man. And that's such a great thing, isn't it? Because this person had the wall in front of his house, so he was going to build it as good as he could. But also, he didn't have to travel for 20 or 30 minutes to go to a different part of the city to make the wall. So he saved time, so it was a win-win situation. God, he knows his stuff, doesn't he? We need God's wisdom. We need divine sense in our lives. We're all beautiful. God has made us to work for him. But if we're realistic, sometimes things in our lives can be hard. And just as in Jerusalem, ruined walls don't glorify God. We want to help each other to rebuild the walls of our lives. Sometimes maybe our devotional life through circumstances isn't as good as it might have been. Maybe it's nearly falling down or has fallen down. Maybe other areas of your life, the walls have just crumbled a little bit. But together as friends and as family, we can come together and say, how can I help you? What can I do that will really spur you on to know God more and to follow him? Could we pray today to see positive change occur in someone else's life? Because you can be sure that someone else is praying for you for positive change to occur in your life as well. God wants us all to be reconciled with him and for people around the world to be reconciled with him. And we have a great mission to do things for God. There have been plenty of tools on the slides this morning. And if I'm being honest, I don't know what half of them mean. 
but it was a nice slide I saw, and I thought, oh, yeah, that looks good. What I do know is they're all designed for a special task. If I was going to try and use a screwdriver to get, because this is my DIY ability, I know not to use a screwdriver to put a nail into a uh, piece of wood. Even if the nail is going to be crooked when it goes in, I know I need a hammer because I was taught that at woodwork at school. But do you know what I'm saying? Your gifts might be a screwdriver, a pair of pliers, a spanner, a hammer, or a torch. But we've all got gifts. We've all got gifts to help each other. And we've all got gifts to encourage people that don't necessarily come here, but our family, our friends, and strangers we can encourage as well. My juggling isn't very good. I need to work at it. So if it does become something that I can do in the future, I'm going to show you when I get two balls or three balls. But at the moment, it's one ball, and I need to work at it. Maybe one of you could help me. In the same way, we can help each other today to learn to love each other, to learn to show compassion, to encourage each other to pray and read the Bible more, to encourage each other to listen to God and just speak a word of wisdom or to pray for healing for someone. Remember, all these gifts aren't just for in these walls. All of these churches, for wherever we go, in Sainsbury's and Asda at work, when you see someone uh, who's not very good at driving and not indicating and they cut you up, you can pray for them. We can all do things like that because God wants us to work for him because all of us, everyone, is needed. When God spoke to the prophet Isaiah in a vision and God said to him, who will go for us? Who will I send? Who will we send? Isaiah said, here am I, send me. As we think about it and pray, maybe today we can say the same thing to God as he calls us on his mission for today. Here am I, send me. And then we can be fruitful together for God. So I'm going to pray, and then Fiona's going to lead us in some sort of response to all of that, just to remind us that we're here together to work for God and to encourage each other. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all those people that were named in Nehemiah chapter 3 and towards their names. But thank you, Lord, to you. They're special people and you've honoured them because they did your work for you at the right time. Lord, for such a time as this, you've called us to work for you today. So with all of our hang-ups, all of our shortcomings, all the, the false things we think about ourselves, Lord, we want to stand tall with each other and say, Lord, will you lead us and help us, Lord, to know how we can be fruitful and do things for you. Thank you, Lord, that we're needed and important, each one of us. Amen.